podcast series is recorded on and features artists who create on Ghana and Ngunnawal country. We would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of these lands and pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. These lands have never been ceded. You're listening to A Tale of Two Cities, a three-part podcast series brought to you by Unqualified and Unafraid and Michelle Laundry. I'm Natsuko, a multidisciplinary artist, performance director and designer from Canberra. I'm Jess, a freelance video creator, podcaster and student magazine editor from Adelaide. Today, we're bringing together artists from two underrated creative scenes. Without further ado, let's uncover the truth about being a creative in Adelaide and Canberra. Could our guests please introduce themselves as a creative um, and maybe describe a bit about like your art style and things like that? Carissa, do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. So, hi, I'm Carissa Fisher. I'm non-binary, so I go by they, them pronouns. I live in Adelaide, slash Ghanaland, um, and I'm a spoken word poet. I'm Angelica. Um, I'm from Canberra, and I am a street dancer. Do you want to tell us about um, the crew that you're involved in, Edge? Yeah, so I'm part of an all-female dance crew um, named Fries Before Guys, or FBG for short. Um, and it was created in 2018 by our original crew leader and the person who kind of came up with the idea um, behind Fries Before Guys. Um, her name is Mal and she's very cool and she's a new mum and she's awesome. And Carissa, how long have you lived in Adelaide? I've born and raised, like always been here. So how long have you lived in Canberra for lunch? I've lived in Canberra all my life. Um, but I only started dancing at Project Beats, which is the um, dance studio I'm at since um, 2016. Carissa, I want to know, what do you think the reputation of Adelaide's creative scene is? Ooh, well, it's definitely known as like Radelaide. So, and we have the Fringe Festival and right now we're currently in the Feast Festival. So, I definitely think we have, at least among Adelaide creatives, like everyone knows Adelaide's quite a creative, um, has like a creative industry and like sort of like a lot of arts going on. I don't know about other states though. Um, never really been traveling like outside of like South Australia, but like, yeah, I think it's like, if you're interested in art, I think you, you're aware of it, but say if you have like no interest or no, like no artsy or creative person, you don't, I guess, know the full extent, you would just probably know about fringe. Yeah, that's so true. I've never been to Adelaide and I have not heard about creative scenes. So I'm actually very keen, Carissa, to hear kind of what it's like there and yeah, get a bit yeah. more insight. You like, I don't know anything about Canberra's creative scene. I've only been to Canberra once and I was like for a school trip. So yeah, it's always a school trip. <laughs> what do you think the Canberra creative scene's reputation is? Yeah, so I, I feel very similarly to Carissa in the way that it's quite, um, if, if you're in it, you'll know about it. But if you're outside of it, you will probably not really know what's going on or anything like that. And, and in a way, I think that's kind of, in, in a way, it's kind of nice, but in a way, I think there are some things that maybe could be done to make that a bit more public. Um, but in terms of, like, the community, I think the community vibe is there in Canberra because it is so small. 
I think you get the same in Adelaide, especially in like the poetry writing, uh, creative writing community. Like everyone sort of knows each other. Yeah, and I guess if you compare that to, I guess Sydney street dance scene is so much bigger than mm. Canberra street dance scene, which the Canberra street dance scene is now growing a lot more. Um, with a lot of projects that, um, I guess Project Beats and other other people have been developing, such as the street dance festival and things, to kind of gain that pub publicity which is really cool but yeah compared to sydney it's it's tiny just everything compared to sydney or melbourne yeah <laughs> yeah you know that's why we're doing this podcast because there is stuff happening in adelaide and canberra it's not just melbourne and sydney like come to canberra and adelaide people <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely first of all carissa what do you think the strengths of the adelaide creative scene are yeah, so I feel like going off, like it's such a it's such a tight-knit community. Um, so I find it easy, I find it really easy to network because you just meet like one other creative and they know like 10 other creatives. So it's like if you have a project, you just just like briefly mention it. People like you see people's brains start clicking and like be like, oh, I know this person, or you should contact this person, or have you followed this Instagram page? So I think it's really great for networking um, and, like, being able to find opportunities. I think it's more accessible. Um, also, I feel like there's not, at least in my experience, there's not, like, I guess overly a sense of elitism. Like, you still get it. I think you get that mm -hmm. everywhere. But it's not, I guess, as clicky or, like, cut off. It's very much like, oh, I know this person or you should look into this organisation. It's very, like, information's very accessible. I agree with that. I feel like you can always easily find the right person to talk to. Yeah. And how about you and what are the, some of the strengths of the Canberra's uh, creative scene? Yeah, so I, I really I agree with Carissa again in the fact that it's very tight-knit. And so once once you kind of get to know someone, you'll, you'll be part of that community then and you can kind of get the ball, ball rolling. Um, with any projects or anything like that like there, there will be someone for you to talk to and kind of bounce ideas off I also think though a strength of Canberra is that with that community spirit that we have um, it's so supportive so um, again like what um, you said Carissa um, there's not that sense of elitism as much yeah, yeah as maybe in other cities yeah absolutely like everyone's there to see you succeed yeah and everyone kind of wants the best for each other which I think it, it's it's such an important thing in the creative scene because we know that it is can be quite a scene where there is rejection and things like that but you always have someone to kind of lean on and help get you back up and keep going yeah so on to the weaknesses um have you guys kind of identified any weaknesses within our creative scene um so I should speak to um my crew about this and we, we did think about some ideas so I think again because it's so small and I guess if if you're in the creative scene you know about it but if you're outside of it you probably don't know that much of it so making it a bit more accessible to the public and I guess more um free and casual because sometimes it almost feels like you have to commit a lot to be part of the creative scene but for example if we had like a I don't know like a mass like at Lake Belly Griffin, which is like a big lake in Canberra, if we were to have like a chalk drawing that people could just add 
like when they're walking down um, around the lake with their families, that could be a really good outlet for someone who isn't as like, who can't access um, like a studio or something like that. Like yeah. that, that could be really cool. Um, yeah, and would help kind of get that, I guess, creative aspect out into the community a bit more. Yeah, like I think that's a really cool concept to like make art um, something that's just part of a city and everyone in the city's everyday life rather than you have to be an artist or you have to identify as a creative to like experience art. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of people think, oh, like I'm not an artist. I see that a lot with poetry, especially because like a lot of people are like, oh, I write poetry, but I'm not a poet, especially because there's inherently a elitism and prestige to poetry, like as a medium. And I think like people have this expectation or like, yeah, like an expectation to like at poetry events specifically. So like, oh, I'm not going to go to it because it's not my scene or I didn't hear I not into it. Um, mm-hmm. and so, yeah. Like, Carissa, did you have any other weaknesses about the Adelaide creative scenes? Okay, I think it's easy, at least somewhat easy, to become known within the community because, like, it's, like, a small amount of people and if people, like, like you are, they're going to tell a lot of people and, like, networking that. However, I think it's harder to sort of expand outside of Adelaide. I think that's, like, harder because, like, you need to know people, like, for you to stay or... I just think it's harder to build an audience or like connect with other artists like interstate or even like regionally. I feel like it feels like um being just stuck in a bubble at times because you only see the Adelaide artists like metropolitan or like live in like the suburbs or like in the inner city. And I feel like we really miss out on artists from like interstate or like regionally. I feel yeah. like disconnect. That's a really good point because I think that, like, I grew up down south. Like, I well, I lived on Kangaroo Island and in Yankumbilla. Went to Yankumbilla and started going to school around, like, McLaren Vale area. I started getting to know people from, like, Wollonga and Norlonga and stuff. And, and there's, like, a whole, di- like, there's a whole other, like, creative community within the, like, wow. south region. And, like, it's really interesting because one of the other people that were, um interviewing like on another episode is from down there and that's actually one of the questions is like do you think that there's actually like a whole unique like community of creatives like in the different regional areas I would say so as well because like so I'm based in like the northeast suburbs and particularly like I'm down Teachery Gully way and it has like an older population Mm-hmm. And I think like different suburbs and that you even see like the age gap. So in the northeast suburbs, there's like poetry events and that, but it's you see a more older crowd going. Yeah. Like a young person wanting to get into poetry in northern east suburbs. And it's it's quite intimidating or like a bit daunting. Or you feel a bit like alien because it's like I'm like the youngest person here by two decades. Yeah, that's so true. Because regional, yeah, regional areas like and, you know, honestly, I could get into a whole rant about how, like, um, kids aren't encouraged to get into the arts or creativity when they're raised yeah. in a small country yeah. town because, like, I guess a lot of, like, country towns are very sports-focused, sports and agriculture-focused, 
And so yeah. then what happens is you do have this like disproportionate like statistic of like older people all attending the creative mm-hmm. events. And yeah. as a young person, there's not really like that youth culture within small towns. Yes. And if you want to like experience that, you'd have to go to the city. Yeah. And either find like the right social media account and like yeah, they stumble upon the poetry accounts or like you know someone that will access will like send you links and like whatever. Yeah. Obviously you kind of just touched on this a little bit, but could you describe like what the poetry community in Adelaide is like specifically? It's essentially I think it's like two sides. I sort of view it as like a divide. Um and it's like not necessarily a bad divide I'll get into it um so you definitely have like an older crowd uh the older crowd is very much like they probably work or know people that are a part of like spoken word essay um they also a few people that are like prominent in the poetry community are quite older and they like run the state slams that happen every year and um they have their own like circles of creatives but they're all like 40s onwards and they all have a life and family that they're like there's like that side and then on the other side you see this young fresh group and like mostly queer people um so like right now with the feast festival so the feast festival book you in canberra is um adelaide's um like queer arts festival you see like a lot of like upcoming emerging queer artists like really put themselves out there or like are a part of projects and it's really exciting to see but it's like the same people that show up to those events. So I think there's very much a divide in like, if there's like a poetry or a mic place you go to regularly, you tend to stick to that one. So you, you only know the people through like those circles. So if you don't want to be with an older crowd, you would more likely go to like, uh, say, Mixed Bag Poetry hosted by Celia. She's wonderful. Um, and that like draws a younger crowd. And if you are more... If you want to read poems about queerness and like gender identity, Jordan Swords is probably your best environment because it sort of has a safe haven for that because most people are, are like queer that go there. Or if you just want to like have a couple of drinks at a good time, like you would go to um, Spoken Slide, but that has like the older crowd you generally see. Everyone's really lovely and welcoming. It's just that sort of not like clicks, but like their own little groups, like people stick with. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's really interesting. I love how you actually like, you know, told us all the subcategories. Um, and mm-hmm. got specific about that. Like, especially if anyone's listening who actually wants to like get more exposed to poetry. And that's so true about Adelaide. I do feel like there's a certain point where people probably get to feel a bit disheartened because it's just always good, like gonna be the same people see- seeing your work. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I just had a question for Ange about that too. So, um, do you also feel that with the street um dance scene, like the same sort of people come, or because um, I guess sometimes you perform on the street, so it might attract other people too. What do you think about that? Yeah, I I think it's definitely grown within the last couple of years that I've been part of the community, and I guess that comes from. Yeah, we do a lot of street events. And I think since having the Street Dance Festival last year, um, it's kind of become a bit more public um, and more people are coming to the studio and things like that. 
But I do think, though, with the street dance community, it's so, like, supportive and there's not those, I guess, I don't want to call them clicks, but I'm just going to call them clicks because I can't think of another word. Um, but, yeah, there's not those clicks. I feel like everyone is kind of equal, equal playing field. Everyone wants to see um, the best in everyone and wants to see everyone grow and everyone's there to help each other and the scene grow as well because it is quite small. Mm, so we've talked about, like, some of the pros and cons of the creative scenes that we're all a part of. Is there something that you kind of wish your city had put in place that you think would benefit creatives? I think, like I said before, having something that's a bit more accessible to everyone. Um, so whether that be like um, a mural that people can just add to as they as they walk past, or um, I think I think things like street performances that we have within our studio are really great in terms of at the end we do have ciphers which are just like a big freestyle circle if you don't know what a cipher is and people can just come in and out as they please I think that's that's really accessible and that's really great but obviously those only happen every every so often so I think if we had more of those um that could be a really really great place to start um growing the scene Carissa, did you have any ideas or things you'd love to see happen in Adelaide? I don't know because with the like several open mics that we do have, like you do see like new people come in and give it a go. I don't know. Um, I would actually, actually, I would love like maybe like like a monthly or something like creatives meet up and just chat like a networking thing. Say like the botanical garden because. Like, very much I experience, like, I feel like tunnel vision always. Like, I just pay attention to the people in my, like, field and, like, writing and that. So I only really chat to writers or, like, know that sort of lens. But I would love to, like, engage with, like, other artists, like, learn about, like, street dancing or what it's like to be a filmmaker and, like, et cetera, et cetera. So I think it would be a big, like, monthly, like, meetup for, like, creators just to swing by and say hi. I think that would be fantastic. Yeah, that is so true, and I would love that too. Just even if there was, like, we talked about on the last podcast, like having a physical space that could be, like, an open studio kind yeah. of thing. Oh, that so cool. Yeah, but I really think that it would benefit the community because it, it's one of the reasons why, like, me and Natsuko wanted to do this podcast is, like, because it's so important for artists to, like, look outside of their disciplines and yeah. it's so important that we like can sh- like you know have a knowledge of what's going on in other areas I have to agree there I yes. feel like I'm very much someone guilty of just staying within like street dance now that I've got into it and I'm like there's so much more to art than just <laughs> this like I need to broaden my horizons a little bit yeah I love yeah. to create like a I mean I've thought about it before and I kind of planned to do it um, to create like a meeting um, somewhere, a monthly thing where just anyone can just come and chill and chat and be like, hey, let's collab on something. Like that's oh, that- something that I'd love to start next year. Question for both of you. So does your environmental location inspire or influence your art in any way? I feel like absolutely because uh, poetry is just like inherently a personal for like creative form. I think all creative endeavors are. Like poetry has like it's known for it, I guess. 
Um, and most of my poems very much are taken from personal experiences that like I expand on or like I use to explore sort of like different concepts or like question it, I guess. Um, yeah, and I think I love what I love about poetry. Uh, there's a poem by Olivia Gatewood. It's on Poetry Button. She's fantastic. And she does a poem about the first time she got a period and how a friend just helped her out with a tampon. And she took that sort of like trivial, like insignificant moment and made it into like something that's about like friendship and I guess like um like adolescence and growing up. And it was like it's a beautiful poem. I can't remember the name of it, but Olivia Gabriel, 10 out of 10 would recommend. Um yeah, and I think that's like what I love about writing, you can pick apart small moments and expand into this whole new concept, which I think you can do, like, you can definitely do, like, most arts as well. Yeah, awesome. How about you, and um, do you find anything, um, like, your environment or location inspire you or your crew um, to create, like, a routine or anything like that? Yeah, so I guess um, with our crew, I guess, I speak for myself here when I say that everyone at the studio inspires me because everyone has had a different experience and everyone's dancing is so different, which then influences movement in a whole different way. But I suppose in terms of our crew, I feel like our routines are genuinely, uh, are generally choreographed by our crew leaders as such, but we have choreographed one uh, or a couple pieces of our own in the past and they mainly have come from like experiences or memories and like um yeah building that together to create something new but it's based on the foundation of those memories if that makes sense yeah awesome i think that's one of my favorite like things um that i look for when i'm watching a film is like making the mundane appear kind of like cinematic mm. way because, like, at the end of the day, our lives are kind of, like, 90% monotonous and then the rest of the 10% is, like, the exciting part. So it's so nice to see that reflected in art. There's this pressure of, like, always wanting to make, especially as a creative, you want to make the big next best thing. Or you want to like, do fantastically and all be, like, innovative in that. And I think there's that, like, resounding pressure and it's unrealistic like sometimes especially when I first started writing I got very caught up in the I need to make the next best poem it's gonna change the world and I think that ambition is so important and like it comes from like a place of wanting to like succeed and like try really hard um but at the end of the day it's unrealistic but I think honoring um yeah, honouring those, like, monotonous moments is, like, fundamental, especially as an artist, to, like, gain inspiration, but also as a way to relax and, like, ground yourself, especially if you're, like, on the cusp of the creative burnout. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, like, because sometimes creatives, I feel like, like you said, um, are so ambitious to create the next best thing, and then while you're in the process of doing that, you get burnt out, but yeah. yeah, that yeah, I didn't really think of that before and kind of focusing on like what your life is or like the monotonous kind of events that happen, really honing onto that and finding something within that. I think that's really inspiring to hear. Yeah, I wanna add on. Um and I think that's also where like self doubt like a 
cause of self-doubt yes sort of because you don't end up meeting those like unrealistic standards and then then you're like well maybe I'm not good enough maybe I should just quit sort yeah. of thing it like reaffirms itself yeah actually I kind of have an interesting kind of question because we talk a little bit about burnout so I would be interested to hear whether you've ever had burnout and how you kind of get out of it so I definitely am a person that burns out very easily um I think the first ever experience I had was when I first was um being trained to be uh instructor at the studio and I was like why like what is going on like I felt like my brain just wasn't working and I like like little things would just push me off the edge and I was like I've never been like this before like I didn't I didn't know what burnout felt like I was like what is this and then my friend was like I I think you're burnt out like you need to take a break and I didn't realize how bad I am like relaxing until that that happened I was like oh my goodness like this is wild to me and I think since then um, I'm not, I'm not very good at, I guess, identifying when it's happening. Mm. Um, but I guess when it does happen, I know that it's not going to be forever kind of thing. Cause I think I was afraid that, oh, I'm never going to be able to get back into it. And therefore I'll never be an instructor. And then therefore I'll just like, I'll fail at life. Um, <laughs> and it was like very much that catastrophic thinking kind of thing going on there. Um, but I guess in terms of dealing with burnout, I, I take a step back um, and take some time to regather my thoughts and just, yeah, take some time off. And I think that's the best way to go about it, although it's very, very challenging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. It's definitely challenging. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. Um, last year, I was like, it's like last year I was doing year 12 and like, year 12 shenanigans um and then it so like even like creatively I, I burnt out because of it and it got to the point where I was like I was just scared to even write anything like I'll just put it off put it off and like when I would like go to my like word document to write something I just it was like this weird dread like oh I can't write anymore like it's it's gone um and then I took like a step back like what you did and I just started reading and then from there I was able to work I started reading and also going back to old poems just to edit because I think like when in a burnout at least like for me taking a step back from new projects I think it's really good to remind yourself of the works you have done yes. and so and celebrate that yes oh my goodness I I think I can speak there where I think when I was feeling spent I was like dance isn't funny anymore like I don't I don't want to yeah. do this anymore. And I was like, what is going on? And then when I took a step back and I watched old videos, I was like, I look like I'm having so much fun there. Like, where is that joy? Like, I want that joy back. Yeah. And I think that really shows that having fun is is almost more important than the outcome. Considering both of your mediums, um, would you say portraying specific emotions is a core part of what you do, uh, whether it be through language or movement? definitely say so within um my freestyle um definitely emotion comes through a lot within my freestyle whether but I guess it depends on the type of music but if I'm just dancing at home um that's definitely the case I think I really relate to dancing through the emotions 
um, at home. But if it's at the studio, obviously different music's going to play and I'll kind of play to that emotion. But yeah, and I definitely think that's something that also inspires me a lot to dance is my emotions. I think as like a spoken word artist, um, emotions is what gets other people to connect with the work because even though it might be an experience they don't relate to, the emotion behind it is how people connect. Um, so absolutely, there was like, even like when performing, having that emotion, like um, people just like resonate and connect. There was a moment, there was a time where I performed this poem and it was about like a few like serious things like sexual assault and like being perceived as a woman. Um, and the first time I performed it, it was like at a conference or something. I was like really teary and like upset and like people really connected with that. But then a couple of weeks later when I like, I think I over rehearsed. Um, I like, I ended up like rehearsing it like to a, for a slam. And I think because I over rehearsed it and it was sort of like, I felt almost disconnected to the piece. People didn't resonate with it as much. So I didn't give the performance that I wanted. And that became the outcome and like with the scorings and that. Mm. So I think emotions are like pivotal and always remembering why, like for me, like why I wrote it and what I'm feeling with that. Even because like, yeah, like with time you'll change and you'll become more acquainted with the piece. So you might not feel as emotionally invested in it. I think it's always like you need to remind yourself why like where does that come from that's really interesting because I think it is so easy like once you write something down when you read it out you forget like why you wrote it in the first place like even right now like we've got these questions written down and it would be so easy for me to just start reading them and not actually be computing what I'm asking just reading Mm -hmm. the words but like that's why I don't know you really have to try to like actually read and be like because people can hear it when like you actually know what you're saying (laughs) yeah yeah so um yeah so we talked kind of talked about the emotions really influencing your the way you create so would you say um yeah so what kind of themes do the both both of you enjoy exploring your work um and yeah I'd love to hear about whether you like choose themes that other people can relate to or yeah um I think for me themes definitely come from I guess being part of a dance studio where a lot of the themes kind of come from for example like for our shows we've got themes set for us I guess the inspiration comes from those themes but I suppose on my own I think the themes come from my emotions um also the type of music that I'm listening to at the time I think that really inspires um the theme of of the of the piece or of the of the kind of um dance that I do but um yeah I think I try to make it relatable and easy to understand for the viewer do you have like any specific themes that you find yourself exploring quite a bit like whether that be like isolation or anger and stuff like that yeah so I think for me the themes that I tend to kind of keep going back to is that idea of being free or the idea of um portraying different different instruments within the like in the music so I'll like play like for example if there's like um like a saxophone in in the the piece 
I'll choreograph to the saxophone for a bit and then I'll go to the next instrument and so on. Cool. Yeah. To like touch on a point Ange made with, mm-hmm. I guess, like making, producing themes that like things you touch on are like experiences that other people can relate to. I kind of do the opposite. Because <laughs> um, I think with poetry since it's like using language and that it's a way to actually like teach people about other things yeah I sort of explore I don't I don't I don't care that much if other people don't relate to it um because it's like my story and I don't want to water myself down I don't want to accidentally fall into that trap where you make something that's like you can tell it's for like other people but you don't you're not proud of it or you don't like it um so like being non-binary have a few poems about focusing on my journey with gender and like gender identity um and that's something like cis people don't relate to or even like trans people because every each trans person has their own experience and I think through writing poetry about that it's like sort of sharing and people like sort of learn stuff like it never occurred to them I guess Mm -hmm. and um, once I performed a piece, so for context, uh, <clears throat> I have a physical disability, so my vocal cords are paralyzed, um, and I have a poem about that, and I performed it at, like, a friend's, like, art gap that we sort of had, and they're all, like, musical people, and this poem very much focused on sound in that, and how, like, worked with, I guess, my disability, and it just having conversations afterwards, because they're, like, musicians, they're, like, I never considered that, and how they spoke about music and sound, and, like, I guess, especially with, like, voice and that, it's, like, I never considered that, like, I think it's beautiful to see other people's perspectives, and I think with poetry and my writing, I try to very much keep it in, like, this is how I view the world, like I learned so much at Poetry River Likes because there'll be things I'll never consider or a perspective I didn't like seek out and it's like it's that sort of sharing I guess but with slams so like poetry slams are the com- like the competition version of spoken word so you have in Australia poetry slam you have a two-minute time frame random people in the audience judge you can't sing you can't have props it's just you and your poem Oh, sorry, you can sing, but, like, you can't play music or that. It's just, like, you and your poem. Generally, people will go for a more relatable poem because they you have two minutes, you need to, like, get the audience atten- audience's attention and, like, if you want to, like, succeed and go into, like, the next stage. So I think with competitions, I do sometimes, I definitely fall into, like, performance that are more relatable, but it's still rooted in my experience and perspective and to still remain true to myself and authentic. So this is a question for Ange. Um, it's more of like a crew-related thing. So Rise Before Guys is a non-male uh, street dance crew. What motivated you to create a female-focused dance crew? Yeah, so um, like I said earlier, so Rise Before Guys um, was created by um, Melissa, who is an instructor at Project Beats Dance Studio. Um, and it's just a coincidence that we're all females in that crew, actually. So Mel was snooping around the studio in the year of 2018, and she noticed this group of girls were all friends, and she was like, they need to be, they need to be a crew. 
that's how Crisis for Advance became a thing. And now it's just developed into this like really wholesome sisterhood. Yeah, and like supporting each other through life. Yeah, it's great how you like support each other, not through just dance, but kind of in life in general too. Definitely, definitely. I think because everyone has such different life experiences within our crew. Everyone is at a different stage in life too. Like some people just finished school. Some people just finished uni. Some people have just finished like a PhD. Um, Yeah, but we're all like supporting each other no matter where we're at with life. And I think we can all kind of learn something from each other because we've all had a different experience. Work, like working with my friends on a lot of like film projects and stuff I feel like there's something really special and unique about creating with your friends and also like creating in like non-male friendship groups where it's mm-hmm. like the energy is just so different and like I just feel like everybody's like there's just a special energy about it where it's like supportive and I just feel like really beautiful things can like come out of it. Yeah, definitely. It's like not something I'd ever experienced before until until my experience with the crew. I think before I was just like, oh yeah, like friendship, you know, like I didn't really think much of it until I was part of this. And I, I think it really helped me discover things that I just never thought I like never thought existed before. So, Carissa, you have said that a lot of your poems focus on, like, the themes of gender, and I'm just wondering, like, what inspires you to explore this topic within your art? Yeah, um, I think I or I've, it's not so much present now, but very much, like, even, like, six months ago, I always felt like I was in, like, I guess valid in my identity because with non-binariness, you identify as a gender like just not the binary genders male and female and I think in the media even in like queer circles you see this version of non-binary that's like a fab so like female signed up birth um masculine presenting short hair skinny white and tall and you sort of see this version of non-binary that's just mostly uh masculine and I don't identify with that like sometimes I do but it's sort of like I don't identify with being a woman or, like, female, but I do present myself quite femininely because that's, like, I like to identify as that. So my poetry sort of focuses on the nuance of being non-binary and, like, expressing gender. Like, one poem particularly focuses on, like, I like wearing my bras um, along with my binders because I feel like, in my experience with um, like non-binary people and like sort of there's like this pressure to be like um, you're non-binary so like you wear a binder like back to that whole archetype of being masculine and having this really weird stereotype even though non-binary is like you're just whoever you want to present like how you like your gender identity and expression don't have to match at all especially like non-binary that's like sort of the point or like it can be the point um so I think yeah my poetry on gender very much focuses on like expressing myself femininely but also like still being like but still not a girl yeah yeah I love that I feel like I don't know, I just feel like even the very idea of, like, identifying as non-binary is just so powerful because it's saying 
it just it's just like saying there is no rules like yeah I feel like it's just a revel like even though it's such a simple concept it's such a revolutionary idea because we've created this world with so many rules (laughs) because um like gender roles and the binary genders it's very much like a colonized idea like before colonization you see you can see like historic accounts and like evidence of cultures having more than like two genders and when I realized like when I came to terms with being non-binary it was sort of like it made sense for me um because like sort of figuring out your gender identity is like a whole process and even if at the end of the day you come back to me like no I do identify with the gender I was assigned to at birth just having that self-awareness and evaluation being like is this something I actually do identify with or have I just been forced I think like that's a beautiful process and like self-awareness and self-discovery I guess you kind of just covered this but why do the both of you think it's important for artists across disciplines to create spaces and open dialogue about gender and feminism um and why don't you talk on this sure I think I think you've you've covered it um Chris but in saying that I think I think there's a lot to be said for like yeah raising raising awareness um particularly within different different generations I feel like there's a bit of a knowledge gap there um that that needs to be filled and I think representing that within art forms that is easily accessible to a wide range of an audience can really help fill that gap yeah I think it's expanding off from what you've said I think it's like um important like just sharing and listening like watching other people's like creative expression uh, because you learn so much and like it expands your worldview and I think for me personally a really important part of feminism is intersectionality so it's sort of like bridging the gap between like those age groups or actively being exploring outside your circle and like what you do know all the privileges you have and like sort of just learning essentially it's just so important yeah and I think learning is there's a lot to be said for learning there and yeah, I think so a lot of learning can can occur through different art forms I think yeah. um that that's like people think of learning like reading a book or like you know researching whereas if you if you were just to like I don't know watch a watch a piece of um like a dance piece for example you could actually learn just as much yeah absolutely like consuming art and like different uh mediums and styles of art like a like I guess further your knowledge is so important because like there's different ways of expressing things and I feel like we miss that especially like if you're like caught in your own medium and your own field and people like you all know that do the same thing like you end up missing like this whole other side of like ways to express or like perspectives yeah absolutely so this podcast kind of talked about different mediums and so have you both been inspired by each other's art forms and um yeah would would you ever like think about incorporating you know for Ange um poems into say your dance or for Carissa dance into poems or you know putting those kind of art forms together yeah yeah, like I never actually thought about it until we've had this conversation and now I'm like I really want to read poetry and get inspired by that and see 
big fun event with lots of things happening there. Um, and then next year, um, Fries Before Guys is actually, we're taking a break from competitions and we're working on projects. So there'll be lots of projects coming up. So where can people find you? Yeah, just follow my Instagram, carissa.fish. So C-A-R-I-S-S-A dot F-I-S-C-H. Uh, I guess you can find us um, on the Project Beats Facebook page, which is Project Beats Studio, and then um, Project Beats on Instagram, which I think is also Project Beats Dance Studio. And you can also find our crew on um, Instagram, which is FBG underscore crew. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us, guys. Thank you for having us. Thanks so much for listening to our three-part series, A Tale of Two Cities. Stay tuned for the next episode where we chat to Adelaide visual artist Alice and Canberra theatre director Holly. And continue to celebrate and explore the creative scenes in our home cities. Support us and join the conversation by following at Musho underscore laundry and at UNU underscore podcast on Instagram for updates.